This is Fundraising While Black. Not Anomaly, but the name of the podcast. (laughs) And I'm Madeline Beck, your host. Lifelong entrepreneur, lifelong black woman, ready to bring y'all some conversations all around capital raising while an entrepreneur and black or brown in America. Opinions are welcome. Facts are necessary. Let's get into it. All right, all right, all right. So we are here. Uh, Welcome to Fundraising While Black. Uh, So pumped today for today's conversation. Um, You know, it it feels like whenever whenever I'm out with Brianna Ned, the the phenomenal, courageous, dynamic Brianna Ned, the accountability holder. (laughs) 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 Whenever I am in community with this amazing human being, always things happen. So I was like, this, this offline conversation is a conversation that I knew we had to bring online. So I'm super grateful <laughs> for you being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I secretly like, I think when you started this podcast, I like saw it and I was like, Ooh, we gonna have to do an episode. I don't know when, but it's yep. obviously going to happen. So. Yep. 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 <laughs> and here we are. Here we are. Um, so tell, tell the listeners and the viewers, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Um, what's she trying to know about me? Like you, you want me to get into my corporate background and like how I got here? You just want me to talk about how I'm here. Okay. Give me, give me a little bit of the origin story for sure. Yes. The origin story is, um, your girl was marching the, you know, the path to success. I did the whole law school thing. I got a bunch of degrees that my parents like to tell me that I don't use, but I actually use all of them in my work today. But the first thing I did was become a lawyer. I worked in big law right after law school. And, um, you know, I did that for a couple of years and was like, wow, this is really whack. Like, (laughs) I think I knew within the first week, I was like, this is not a long-term career. So you got to keep eyes and ears open for like, where you're trying to go. And I moved out of big law. I went, I transferred to like a mid-sized law firm just to like, kind of try to give myself a breather. It turns out mid-sized law firms are the same amount of work for less money. Uh, And so I spent, yeah, I I spent like a year and a half being like, wow, I really fucked myself over on this one. Okay. 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 Um, And then I just quit cold turkey because what started to happen when I was at this mid-sized law firm was that all the rules people had been telling me, which is like, oh, you can't go in-house or do the kind of law you want to do until you're like three, five years and like five to seven years, I mean, into your practice. And, you know, I was at my third year and I was getting hit up to interview at these studios. And so I was like, y'all are wrong. Right. Um, <laughs> right. You're like, correction. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, at the time, like I was, uh, experiencing dire mental health issues and mm-hmm. my mental health was like on a severe, severe, severe climb to the bottom, mm-hmm. um, spiraling all the way downwards. Every time I got to the bottom, I was like, Oh, a new low. How uh-huh. cool. Oh, um, and so I finally just quit cold turkey because at that point I was on anxiety medicine to be able <laughs> to try to go to work. Right. And, you know, work was really just exacerbating things that had happened to me in my personal life that I hadn't dealt with. It just, you know, the system mirrors and mm-hmm. exacerbates and triggers your own wounds. 
And so I quit cold turkey and I didn't work. I lived off of savings for like four months. And at the time I lived two blocks from the beach in LA and I did shit I hadn't done in years. Like I would just walk like six miles in one day along the beach, just income, like no distractions, like no headphones, Mm. whatever, but just like refine peace and refine what it means to like tap into my own instincts and like actually get to know myself. And so what I discovered was that I was living right. Someone else's version of success, societies, my parents, all these things. And so I was trying to figure out like, is this law thing really for me or like, am I doing it for some other reason? And, you know, the dream job that I had been chasing my entire legal career quite literally drops into my lap. A guy I used to work with at the first law firm I worked at texted me out of the blue. Like we're not close. We just know of each other. And he goes, Hey, I um, am general counsel at this startup electric vehicle company, and we need someone to run this litigation that started like yesterday, and I can't run it because I'm conflicted out. Do wow. you have a job yet, or are you still just wow. hanging out? And I was like, ugh. I, and, and he literally sent me a link. He goes, here's some info about the company. See if you're interested. And it's like, I drive a base base level Prius C. Like I don't give a fuck about cars. Yeah. So I was like, whatever, like electric vehicles, like I'm not really jumping out my seat for this, but I do need some money. So like, let's see. Yeah. So I do it. I run this insane litigation for a really long time. It's very intense. It takes all of me. It's Mm. me telling a bunch of white men in their fifties, what to do. Um, some of them are billionaires. A lot of them are millionaires and that just becomes my life for a year. Wow. It's very successful. The litigation ends really quickly in a like favorable way. And I'm like, I got to get the hell out of (laughs) here. This dream job is just to know. So so wait, so wait, so wait. (laughs) So wait, so we're just my parents hate me. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, it's awful here. Like Like, I visualized this, I manifested it, and then and then here it is. And yeah, I'm good. I'm good with that. Yeah. And it was like I did the thing that they hired me for. Like, and so I look at that time in my life as like again, training for what I do now, which is I'm a death dominatrix, um, which is all about helping people transition through these big moments of change and and what it is to navigate like a death cycle and move into rebirth, Mm -hmm. what it is to like go through that process and that journey. And a big thing that I teach is tapping into and understand learning how to trust your instincts. And that job for me was like vital preparation for what I do now, because instincts were all I had to being because I know I'm, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to look at the comments after, after this is live and after everything, because you just slid that in there. You're like, you know, then I came into being a death dominatrix and people's ears are going to be like, excuse, excuse me. Right. Yeah. They're yeah. like, what? It's the same. <laughs> because then after that, I was, I co-founded, um, a corporate wellness company called Baskin being, it's still in operation. And it basically like the way that that functioned for me and the way I like to describe it in terms of my like journey of becoming Mm -hmm. is like, it was like the half step out of the corporate world, right? Like I had gotten myself out 
And a lot of what we were teaching people was like how to wellness tools and tips and addressing specifically chronic stress in the workplace. And what we were teaching people were like tools for how to survive the workplace longer. Mm, okay. And eventually for me, I was just like, this ain't it either because like, so you weren't teaching people how to swim. You were giving them a life jacket. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and like at the end of the day where I've come to is like, I just do not give a shit about corporations at all. I care a lot about the people in them, but I don't care about corporations. And so when it started to get into like, you know, strategizing and KPIs and yeah. whatever, like and yeah, yeah, yeah. my brain just, it <laughs> shuts down. Like, you know, I don't know if people are into astrology who listen to your podcast, but I'm a Virgo. And so I don't really know why I'm doing stuff until like I get to look back in hindsight, right. like nothing that I'm doing. I just have a feeling and I just have an instinct and I kind of follow it. Yeah. And that's what I do. And, and, you know, in January, June, I mean, of 2020, I found this journal entry that I wrote where I said something like, and I am fully aware that I am in a death rebirth cycle that's taking me where I need to be in my wow. career. Wow. And then tell me why six months later I was like, oh yeah, I'm a death dominatrix. Wow. <laughs> but I have this little keepsake in my journal where I was like, yo, none of what I'm doing really resonates with me in my work. Like I really care a lot about this idea of like crossing over like Mm -hmm. So what my work looks like as a death dominatrix is really ushering people through those transitions. And when I'm working with entrepreneurs um, and specifically, right, um, I call entrepreneurs builders, people who are building like the new economy is mm -hmm. who I tend to attract and work with. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people tend to be black and other people of color and other marginalized people. I work with a lot of um, members of the LGBTQ community. I work with a lot of women and, you know, it's all about what always happens when I'm working with builders is like people have a vision right. and then white capitalism like tells them things about their vision. And they're like, well, I don't know if I can like bring my vision about in this world. And well, my work, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I, that's how you and I got in the community. Yeah. I actually saw, <laughs> I, I saw a post that you had on LinkedIn and it was just, and this is, this is, this is when you were still in, in Baskin being like in that yeah. space. And so I saw a post that you had and it resonated so much. So with me, like normally, like I scroll through LinkedIn, I'm like, okay, like, let's see what's going on. And I read it and I was like, Oh no. Oh, I need to get, I mean, it, I felt as if it sounds hella cheesy, but I felt as if you were speaking directly to me Yeah. because the experience resonated. So the, the brevity of what you were saying in your post, the interesting, I don't even remember what the fucking post is about, but I just remember, <laughs> I just like, remember, I gotta find this post. <laughs> I just remember I read it and I was like, Oh, I need to be in community with this person. I need to talk to this person. Right. And then as like, as our relationship kind of moved forward, I even was like, how, how can I, and this is, you hadn't even moved into that death dominatrix space yet. I was still like, can we just have a call? Like, can I just talk to you for a minute, please? And like, and that's the interesting thing. It's like knowing, knowing when you started doing death dominatrix versus how I initially was introduced to you, I felt like you were already doing mm -hmm. this work. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, I've been, I've been doing the work for a long time. I just didn't have a name for it something, but there was a tweet that you liked yesterday that I saw. I was like, some white dude was like, these are responses that I've gotten from like venture capital, venture capitalists for funding. And they're just absolutely horrible. (laughs) So, I mean, when I read responses like that, the first thing I think is, oh my goodness, this is terrific. The second thing I think is, is this fake news or is this real? The third thing I think is where, where are the names? Because yeah. I would like to keep receipts for all these people. Cause I don't want to ever remotely uh, attempt to, you know, grow any sort of, of, of business or, or have any sort of investment or communication with any of the folks that were in his DMS. Like I was just, yeah. It was yeah. a lot. And, and something I was really taking in on that is like, again, with this idea of being connected to your instincts is like, people always say like, oh, don't take stuff personally, but it's Mm. like, we're, we're human beings on this planet having Mm -hmm. a human experience. And Mm so whether or not we're taking it personally, we're certainly going to have hurt feelings. And so being able and open enough to like ride the wave of those feelings. Right. I think a, a lot of people come from these backgrounds where it's like, you know, everybody's got black parents that, that are like, don't let them see you sweat. Don't let them see right. you cry, like right. whatever, like always be tough. And it's like, actually, if you're doing that, you're just like storing those emotions up in your right. body and they cause all sorts of dis-ease, mm-hmm. literal disease, mm-hmm. um, you know? And so a lot of my work is about the exact opposite of what white capitalism teaches have all this, all this spaciousness and Mm. you start to exist outside of these like time and space constraints. Right. And you start to realize and, and lose some of that conditioning shed some of that conditioning of like, you have to always be doing something to be like really productive. Yeah. And it creates more space to like be creative. Right. Because if you're a founder, especially if you're looking for funding, like, you know this already, but I just think that there's such a mismatch between the people who are doing funding and, mm. and founders from marginalized communities. Yep. Like, you know, there's so many things like people don't like, they don't understand like the communities that we come from. And so they're like, there's no need for that. And it's like, yeah, there's no need for that in your community, in your community but, in, right. but in this community there is. So how and would then, you like, how, how would you for, for founders, right? There, there are some founders who have the blessing of being able to, you know, be bootstrapped and, and, and that bootstrap status puts them into a space of revenue. And then, you know, all they want to do in regards to what they believe to be sustainable is just like have consistent revenue and that's it. There's other founders who need a significant infusion of capital to get off the ground, whether they're building technology or whatever. And then they, you know, kind of look at it from that way. So there's so many different kinds of spaces that founders specifically overlooked founders come from. But the thing that I like really want us to chew on and like, I'm so excited to hear your response is our culture, American culture does not see, not necessarily does not see, but we generally don't make comparisons of grief to anything other than physical death, right? So if you were like to go out into the street or to go on to Twitter or go in any communal space and say, I'm really grieving something right now, the immediate response someone would have 
most likely would be, oh my goodness, who, who passed, who died? I'm so sorry for your loss. It's like, no, I lost my job or this relationship ended. And then people will be like, oh, oh, and you're grieving. Like, oh, okay. Like just that vernacular shift, right? But for founders, I mean, legit, I grieve shit every day. They're, they're, you know, and I may not be doing it in the healthiest way. And so I'm making a safe assumption that a lot of founders, like you were just talking about, don't allow themselves the time to actually process their losses. And on the other side, really celebrate their wins either, right? Like we kind of yeah. live in this weird gray space. So when yeah. you're working with founders, how does that show up? Um. The number one thing I have to do with everyone, not just founders, but yes, also founders is like, is all, I, it takes me varying amounts of time to get people to slow the fuck down. Mm. Like they're, go, they're just going too fast. Um, and I get it. Like I've moved really fast, like been there, done that. Right. Yep, like yep. <laughs> took you a while to get to those, those beach walks. Yeah. Like yeah. the whole per the whole perspective that my work comes from is like, especially people who are still like very much in the, in the rat races of white mm -hmm. capitalism is like, I see you, I hear you. I know why you're doing that. And I know why you feel like you have to do that. And let me tell you from experience, I have already been to the top of the mountain that you're climbing and it fucking sucks. <laughs> right? Like yeah. my like not humble brag is that like in under five years, I was deputy general counsel of an international electric vehicle oh. company. Like that's just the fact. Like, yep. and I was, what yeah. yeah, like I was standing at the top of the mountain and I was like, wow, I did it. And people told me it would take like twice as long to get here and look yep. at me go like, and this mountain sucks. <laughs> and so critical, I think for founders, especially those who are fundraising is space for integration right mm. and reflection like you can't just keep going out and like pitching and pitching and pitching and pitching and wondering why it's not working without some downtime for like yeah. reflection and I don't mean strategy not like oh I had this slide and I talked sure. about this thing for two I mean literally like how did it feel like, did your body feel expansive when you were pit pitching? Like, did I'm you feel settled? Right yeah, like, I don't you... think I've, wow, I don't think I've actually done that. That's right. I may edit this out later because that's, <laughs> as, a, as a therapist and as a founder, I'm like, have I emotionally processed my last pitch or any of them for that matter? Yeah. And it's important, right? Because it's like, did you feel expansive when you were talking to these people? And if you, if you didn't feel expansive in your body, like, did you feel contraction or were you just like yeah. numb? Like, yeah. had you dissociated was uh, like your body yeah. here and your head was giving a pitch. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and, it, and you know, where did you feel those things? Because your body has so much information and knowledge. And if you move slow enough, that's how you tap into the instincts you and you start yeah. to follow them. Like you're following your body. It's always telling you and communicating with you. But if you're going too fast, you can't pick up the signals. So what would be something that you would tell somebody <laughs> like, 
I mean, you know me, so you would just mm-hmm. call me out. Like, I feel yeah. like you've even done that. I feel like you've like watched the pitch that I've given and you've been like, where did you go at this? Yeah. <laughs> but like for folks, for folks that you're not in a media community with that don't personally know you that are going to most likely reach out to you after we, after we post this, how do you tell those people to check into those things? How do they even, how do they even gain awareness of things that they're potentially processing or suppressing without having ever done something like that or having having a model to tell them or you know a mentor someone in a community group like founders don't talk about emotional processing we talk about I know, you know how much did I you know raise and, what, and I'm yeah. like oh <laughs> shoot me in the face this conversation's the worst and you're ignoring what your problem is um <laughs> It's literally like, I think one of the ways you can like really start to do it is like, what kind of speaker are you like, like for pitches, like, you know, do you have, do you, does your throat close up? Do you Mm -hmm. get, or do you get a tight chest or do you have both? Mm -hmm. Or like, do you have like some gripping in your hip flexors? Mm -hmm. Like after you give a pitch? It doesn't have to be like during, you can notice like after that information is important, right? Because if you're pitching and your body is like, it it isn't safe, then like, are you really pitching? Cause like, you're not really, you're not really there. Yeah. I mean, so you're, you're so intuitive, right? And that's, I mean, that's why you're so good. (laughs) And people pick up on that on the other end. Like they're like, yeah, they're like, what's going on here? Like, if you don't feel safe pitching your own company, Mm -hmm. people aren't going to feel safe investing in in your, yeah, that part. So like, this is why when I like watch this and this is right, it's only one half of the equation. I haven't even gotten to the other half of the investors, <laughs> but like, like if this is how you're going in, mm-hmm. then ain't nobody going to invest in your company. And, right. and like, maybe you get a lucky break and someone's just like, it's so good that they're willing to overlook the fact that like, you don't even feel safe pitching right. your company. And they're like, yeah, but it's a great idea. So I'm going to like overlook the body bodily cues that you're giving me right now about yeah. your own company mm-hmm. and still invest. But like, if you don't feel safe, mm. think about what you're giving off energetically and like body signal wise that people pick up on. After you kind of slap them around spiritually. I love that, <laughs> by the way, um, after, after you, you know, after you kind of put them to work. Held, held up multiple mirrors in front of everyone and everyone is clearly seeing themselves and they're, they're practicing all the, the amazing things that you give them. And they kind of go through that, that loss, that, that grieving process, that processing, that reflection. I know that you're not a coach, but a lot of the things that you say are like, just, they're so inspirational. They're so motivational. <laughs> they're so amazing. You're not like sis boom bomb, like cheerleading and shit. But yeah, really I don't do. have it, but yeah. <laughs> right? So <laughs> after the grief process, after that part, how do you then reinvigorate someone and inspire them to get back out, out there and try again, knowing that more loss is in the future because that's inevitable? Like what does uh, that look like? Yeah, because now they have the the tools. Like one of my things, and I know we've had this talk about like, ethics and in well care, especially for those of us who are not like regulated Mm -hmm. is, um, you know, my goal is always to give you the tools so that you don't have to come back to me again. 
So like the next time you encounter some sort of death, rebirth cycle, change, transition, whatever, mm-hmm. like you, you have the tools. Yeah. And, and so I, I always say I, I don't deliver solutions. It's probably uh-huh. the most frustrating part about my work is like when people come to me and they seek me out for solutions, I always have to tell them like, I'm not the right person for you. Fix because me, fix me. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I, it's not me. I was like, there's people in the well care industry whose egos are large enough to say like, I can mm-hmm. fix you mm-hmm. and like, go find them. But right. like, I ain't it. <laughs> I'm, I don't, I'm not living your bodily experience every day. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't have your instincts. And so what I can teach you to do is to tap into them and to trust them and to follow them. And my work is really about like leading you to a place of feeling settled, Mm -hmm. like finding safety in the unknown collective. Mm -hmm. And so you just kind of have to inch and feel your way back into remembering what that is for your body. Yeah. And so I I like give people those tools of like, what, how do you remember? Yeah. Like, yes, you went through this grieving process. Yes. Like your anxiety at one point was like through the roof, but it was that anxiety was a result of like, you were scared of the unknown. Mm -hmm. You already knew the change had happened and you were trying to deny that it happened because you were scared of what it meant for how you'd have to adjust your life. Right. And the things you might have to let go of and the new things that you might have to expand into and maybe not even knowing what those things are. Yeah. And, and so here's some, here's some tools for moving through that, not trying to change it, but just sure. letting the experience play out as it will. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so when you do that, right, when you do that with the folks that you're working with, say, I mean, you know, say, say they're at the stage of like foundership, like I am where, mm-hmm. I've been solo dolo for so long. And now I'm kind of at this make it or break it point where people are like, finally, like, oh, you've been sitting there the whole time. Okay, let's, you know, and I'm like picking up traction and getting capital. And the next step is like actualization. Like, let's start hiring the people to make, how, how would I then take the tools that you've taught me and some of our work together and implement that into the ethos that I want to create? Because yeah. I, I want the company, I want the better spot to be a safe right I I want that to be the container that you and I had I just want to put it over here and have everyone else in that but I know that not everyone conceptualizes safety in the same way just like you mm-hmm. said safety feels different in everybody's vessel everyone's body right so my idea of safety and what I'm creating for the folks within my company someone could step into that space and be like well you know that's not it for me so so how would you kind of you know potentially work with founders or talk to founders on how to then transfer their own individual tools into a space that can help them build a better space for their company and the folks that work with them. Yeah, well, so the number one rule of leadership is that you can only take people as far, like as far as you've gone. So like as a leader, like if you haven't gone there, you're not gonna take your people there, Mm -hmm. number one. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So whenever I see people like, starting to build a team and I'm like okay but like what do you know about like your values what do you know about like creating safety for like psychological safety like for yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because like if you don't know how to do it for yourself you can't lead people through that right Right. so number one 
But then as you're starting to expand again, the number one thing is like, you have to go slow and God, like white capitalism hates slow movement. Oh no, hockey and, stick, hockey stick. Let's yeah. And yeah. it's like, the, so the first thing you have to do is like, you have to get real with your investors, right? Which is like, this is, we have to talk about pacing <laughs> and this company, <laughs> like you have to have a real conversation. Like my rule with people is, is you can only go as fast as your slowest part. Okay. And like so, that. you know, we have a lot of things happening in our psyche, but like you, you know, parts of you can be like, let's like guns blazing. But if there's another part of you, that's like, I don't know about this, like yeah. you're not actually going like all of you has to be on board to really move forward. And so, you know, then when you're expanding out into a team and building a team, especially in those early days where everybody's doing a bunch of different things, right? It's like, you can only go as fast as the slowest team members, slowest part. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And that so doesn't a- mean that, that doesn't mean you actually have to move at that pace, sure. but it does mean you have to lead from that pace right? Like you can grow a company, but like in terms of leadership, your job is to locate the slowest team members, slowest part. Hmm. And not as a place of annoyance, but always, always as a place of wisdom, like, and get really curious about like, what is that resistance about? Because it's telling you something about you know, the development of this business, the development of this team, the development of this culture, where it's going, it's telling you about maybe a need that's not being addressed. Okay. Yeah. And like, right. And, and when you lead from that place, then you hire from that place. Right. So say you are expanding and you have an HR personnel and you can like, I always like your job is to be in tune with the slowest team members, slowest part. Right. That's a huh. totally different HR role. <laughs> That's a very different Suddenly <laughs> they become really important instead of these people that like yeah. everybody rolls their eyes at, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, they're doing your payroll and whatever, but in terms of like support and learning and development and yeah. talent about whatever, like their role looks real different, doesn't it? You know that I may have to update some of our org charts to have like, like, like a, a, a what would I call it? Organizational dominatrix. I want to, I got to figure yes. out how to use, I mean, cause that, that's this what it is. is. It's like, like checking in and keeping, you know. I swear to God, I'm like, this is what my corporate work is becoming. I don't know who wants to hire me, but here's the ad. <laughs> like truly, cause like this, yeah. it, it's not, what we're trying to do with these little fixes doesn't work. Yeah. And I'm, I'm supremely interested in this point at these companies, right. That are starting to build teams. And it's like, I think, I think a lot of people are like you, a lot of founders are like you, like you, you do have a different vision and you're open to exploring and you're curious, but you don't know what it is. Yeah. And then 
people with the money come in and they're like, you got to move, blah, 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 blah. Like here is the plan. And you're like, Oh God, the plan quick. I need the money. And then like we miss the opportunity and the way, what we need to build in terms of the new economy. Like we just can't afford to keep missing the opportunity at all. all. Yeah. And, and the people who get it the most are obviously always going to be people from marginalized communities. Like we just have the most knowledge of it and that's just what it is. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not sustainable, right? We can't, we can't continue to build corporations that we ourselves as the founders, as the visionaries are going to abandon Mm -hmm. because we're not building them for the experience that we actually want to have. Right. Yeah. We're building them on the backs of other folks' visions versus what, yeah, that's, that just fucked my whole shit up. Yeah, that's, 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 that's real talk. How, how do people, as we're kind of like wrapping up, right? How do people reach out to you in regards of like, hey, hey, Bree, Beth Dominatrix, I want you to work with my startup or I want, because, you know, because we did talk about how you don't want to work with corporations, but is there, are you still open to potentially working with the people within the organization to do this type of work and here's the like I do work with corporations it's just like the you know my truth is like I just don't give a shit about them I give so many shits about the people yeah okay okay (laughs) there it is there it is right and and I think personally like more and more I'm just like is it a small business or like is it a startup that's like just starting to figure out what it means to be established because like I to like put me in coach yeah 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 I'm all worried <laughs> you know this is, this and, is a platform for baby biz folks we're completely yeah, yeah and I think like vice versa like within with investors venture capital firms whatever I'm also like tag me in because yeah. like the truth is is like they don't know how to meet like people from marginalized communities where they're at mm-hmm. you can't just give us a bunch of money and be like go execute like <laughs> we need some resources. Some of us are coming from backgrounds of like intense poverty consciousness Mm -hmm. and scarcity. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's how we operate our business. Yeah. We, that's how we operate our business. And so you can't just give money. Like what we need now is like the resources, like how do you change your relationship to money? Like what are the mental health resources? What, where is this place in the space where founders like get to talk about the fact that like they don't know and they kind of have a different vision for the way they want to set their community like where's that support like there's just a big gap Mm -hmm. and I'm like that needs to be filled like it's not enough to give people money I know we've been talking about that like George Floyd was murdered Mm -hmm. all the white people were like oh my god racism and then they were like oh my god it turns out like these statistics that have been around for all the years like Mm -hmm. we should pay attention to them let's give more black people money yeah but like money is not enough it feels like it's like oh we you know it's like the old again it's like just a white capitalist response to a problem it's like throw money at the problem sure 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 it's a tool tool, but it's not the complete it's It's not not a solve yeah Yeah, it's not a comprehensive solve and so I've, all the deep sighs. I feel, thank you so much. Thank you. We're, <laughs> we're, we're at time. This is unbelievable. Um, thank you so much for being here. It is amazing as always. I want the conversation to continue. So I'd love to have you back. 
Yeah, anytime. Um, I I love talking about this topic. It's my favorite thing. It's like how I got into this world. Um, So yeah. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, thanks y'all for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you later on the next Fundraising While Black.